DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. The Second Rule In persons who are going on intensely purifying their sins and rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord, the method is contrary to that in the first rule. For then it is proper to the evil spirit to bite, sadden, and place obstacles, disquieting with false reasons, so that the person may not go forward. And it is proper to the good spirit to give courage and strength, consolations, tears, inspirations, and quiet easing, and taking away all obstacles, so that the person may go forward in doing good. Father Gallagher, we just heard rule number two of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. When a person moves towards God. Let's just go quickly back to what we said last time, that when a person is moving away from God and towards serious sin, then the enemy attempts to facilitate that movement, working in the imagination, the sensual images, and the good spirit attempts to hinder that movement, stinging and biting in the person's conscience through the rational power of moral judgment and all that we said. Now, when the person's life changes direction, and now the person is sincerely striving to move away from not only serious sin, but all sin, now, all of us struggle. The just man falls seven times a day. We all need at the start of every Mass to ask God's forgiveness. That's normal. That's just the human condition. But what Ignatius has in mind is a person who really sincerely doesn't want sin, really is striving to overcome sin, serious and even lesser sin in his or her life, um, and to move toward God. When that person's direction in life becomes the contrary of what it was the two spirits, the good spirit and the enemy, now begin to work in exactly the contrary way. Now it's going to be the enemy who is going to attempt to hinder that movement toward God, and the good spirit who is going to attempt to facilitate that movement toward God. And we just heard that in the text of the rule. So let's get a little closer to the language in it. So Ignatius says, and this, this is a beautiful spiritual portrait, Persons in persons who are going on intensely purifying their sins. That's the sincere effort. I used to allow myself to see certain things in the media or to go to certain places. I don't want that anymore. I'm getting those things removed from my life. This is a person who is, maybe I'm more frequently going now to the sacrament of confession. This is a person who is sincerely and effectively striving with God's grace, humbly and with God's grace, to overcome sin, to grow in purification from sin. And not only that, but Ignatius says, and rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord. So this is the person who is beginning to pray in new ways, is more faithful now to the sacraments, 
is reaching out to really love family members in new ways as Jesus teaches us, to be honest and upright and sincere in the workplace, to be involved in the life of the parish in a new way. So this is a person who is rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord. It's a beautiful portrait. A person who is now moving toward God. All right, Ignatius says, In such persons, the method is contrary to that of the first rule. For now, he says, it is proper to the evil spirit, and Ignatius mentions four things, to bite, sadden, place obstacles, and disquiet with false reasons so that the person may not go forward. Let's just quickly look at at, at each of those. Mm -hmm. So that it is proper to the evil spirit to bite. That's kind of a graphic word right from the Spanish, morder, to, to, to upset, to trouble, to cause the person to lose his or her peace as the person is striving to grow toward God. In a wonderful letter that Ignatius writes of spiritual direction to a woman who certainly was in this situation of a person growing toward God, this was a sister, Teresa de Hadel, who was a religious in Barcelona whom Ignatius had assisted during the brief time that he spent there and who from time to time, Ignatius never returned to Barcelona, but she would write letters from time to time seeking his spiritual help. And we have one that's almost a kind of a commentary on these rules. And he writes to this woman who loves the Lord, The enemy is leading you into error but not in any way to make you fall into a sin that would separate you from God our Lord. What Ignatius says is that when you have a person who is kind of on fire with love of God and is actively rising in God's service and putting sin out of his or her life and just absolutely does not want anything that would separate him or her from God, the enemy doesn't begin by trying to lead the person to sin. Eventually, if he can, the enemy will try that, but that's not how he begins. He tries rather to upset you, biting. Just remove some of the peace, some of the joy that you used to feel as you've been striving toward God and to interfere with your service of God and your peace of mind. If ever, as we are sincerely striving to love the Lord and grow toward God, we find that the peace we used to have is gone and there's kind of a trouble now somewhere in our heart, in our relationship with God, we can very clearly discern Back to the big three. Be aware, understand that this is the enemy at work within us. And then what action do we take? The third step of the big three, this is to be rejected, not to be believed. It's a lie. It's the tactic of the enemy. So the enemy tries to, that, that sort of biting action, Ignatius says. And then Ignatius says the enemy will attempt to sadden us. Now this is not natural, a, a kind of healthy, natural sadness. Let's say at the death of a one we love or when we move from a place that we have loved. A healthy human heart feels a sadness, and we need to deal with that in helpful ways. But that's healthy. That's what a human heart that loves feels in such situations. What Ignatius is talking about is a different kind of sadness. It's just a kind of a heaviness of heart about our relationship with God, our vocation, our prayer, our service in the church. Um, again, from the, the next paragraph from that letter to Sister Teresa de Hadel, he, sa- he says to her, We find ourselves sad without knowing why. I wonder if any of us listening in our spiritual lives have ever experienced that. Where did the joy go? I used to find such joy in God. Now there's just a kind of heaviness and a sadness. Classic action of the enemy. I'll attest to that. You know, Chris, I bet every one of us listening can say the same. I'll attest to that too in my life. 
The beauty of Ignatius' rules is that our eyes begin to be opened a little. We begin to be able to make sense out of what's going on, to be aware, to name it, to understand it, so that we know what not to accept and what to reject, as obviously we're called to in this case. He says further to her, We cannot pray with devotion, nor contemplate or even speak or hear of the things of God with any interior taste or relish. And again, reverently, I'm sure that all of us listening have been through times like this when prayer has become difficult and it's hard to feel devotion as we're in church or involved in the things of the Lord. There is no shame in that. This is simply the classic tactic of the enemy to hinder a person who is rising toward God. And the call is discernment. Be aware, understand, take action, in this case, reject. And then Ignatius says, the enemy will attempt to place obstacles, to place obstacles. You remember those voices stealthily plucking at Augustine's back? It's too difficult. How many times have you tried? You failed before. You're going to fail again. It's just too much for you. Your energies are too weak. Obstacles, 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 obstacles to hold the person from going forward. Let's again read from the next paragraph in that letter to uh, Teresa de Hadel. You can see why I say it's almost a commentary on the rules. Mm-hmm. The enemy as a rule follows this course. He places obstacles and impediments in the ways of those who love and begin to serve God our Lord. And this is the first weapon he uses in his efforts to wound them. And so on in, in, in that text. Let's play it out. Let's go back to the 41-year-old man in the car. The stinging and biting in his conscience. Are you really happy this way? Why do you make your wife so unhappy? Are you going to be happy when you look back? And he welcomes and accepts the action of the Good Spirit. He comes back to church, makes a confession for the first time in 20 years, begins now to go to Mass on Sunday. He has become a person who is striving intensely to purify himself from sin and rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord. Now he's in the second spiritual situation, the one Ignatius has in mind in this rule. This Sunday he's at Mass, and he loves what's happening in his life. His marriage is beginning to change, the family bonds are getting stronger, and that real anguish and emptiness that he felt for so long is beginning to lighten. He loves what's happening now as his life changes. The Gospel this day, let's say, is Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. And the priest gives a simple but heartfelt homily on the power of prayer. And this is clicking with this man because he knows that just beginning to go to Mass on Sunday is making a real difference in a a very beautiful way in his life. So that as the priest is speaking about the importance of prayer in our lives and the beauty and the power of it, something in him is nodding, yes, I know what he means, I'm experiencing it. And then in the homily, the priest invites his people to spend 10 minutes a day praying with Scripture. Suggest maybe you could just take the daily readings from the daily Mass if you can't get to daily Mass. You know, there are many publications with monthly publications or, or missiles. You can get them online. That's right. And his heart is stirred as he hears this. Something in him warms up to this. Something in him wants this. He feels the warmth of God's joy and love stirring gently in his heart. And he finds himself thinking, yes, I'm going to do this. Actually, his wife's been doing this for a long time. He knows that all he has to do, and he decides that before the day ends, he's going to speak with his wife. He'll ask her where he can find the readings. He can easily adjust his morning schedule to get 10 minutes before he goes to work. The day continues, supper time, 
And in the table conversation with his young son, there's some tenseness. It doesn't resolve entirely well. And now a little film of greatness comes into his heart as the evening hours approach. Nine, nine o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock in his room, in his office, getting things ready for work the next day. And he remembers that he was going to speak to his wife and get started the next morning on the prayer with scripture. But now the thoughts are different. Now he finds himself thinking, who are you kidding? You've been away from the church for 20 years. You've never read the scriptures. How are you even going to understand it if you try to read it? And how long is this little enthusiasm of yours going to last? Why embarrass yourself by asking your wife's help and, and then having her see this just fall apart a few days from now? Or can we see obstacles, 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 obstacles in the path of a person who is striving to rise from good to better in the service of God our Lord? This is the classic action of the enemy. And if I may reverently ask this question of all of our listeners, have any of us ever felt this? When we have striven to take new steps in prayer or new steps in love or new steps to live our calling more deeply or more faithfully, more involvement in the church, what if this man knows Ignatius' teaching? and is aware that something's going on, understands that this is the classic action of the enemy and strives to reject it. By the way, does what's happening at 8 o'clock this night in his office doesn't matter? Let's just dream of this man accepting the obstacle-placing action of the enemy, becoming disheartened and dropping this practice, never even starting it. And let's image him overcoming the enemy's action, starting the next morning, six months later and a year later, when one step with the Spirit has led to another and another and another. That's why I say this Ignatius teaching on discernment is so important, because it helps us right in the ordinary daily spiritual experience, which is the real stuff of the spiritual life. The key moments, the big decisions happen how often in life? The vocational decision would be the biggest. There might be some major career changes or family decisions, but most of the spiritual life is lived exactly on this level. The day-to-day ups and downs and different pulls and pushes of our heart in which the good spirit and the enemy are at work. And if we can be aware, understand, and take action wisely, accepting and rejecting wisely, we will be transformed. Gradually, a growth will take place that will root us ever more solidly in the Lord. For that person who is striving to reach out to a greater relationship, with with God, with the Father. Why would God allow us to be tempted in those moments when we're striving so to be near him? He's bigger. God is bigger than, dare I say it, the boogeyman. Yet he allows us to go through this. What would be the purpose in that? What comes to mind is a verse from the Acts of the Apostles where we read that it is through many trials that we must enter the kingdom of God. It's the nature of the Christian life. We're going to see this abundantly a little bit later in the rules, that God gives growth not only through the light and warmth of grace, like the man at the Mass that Sunday morning, but there is another kind of growth which is also critical for spiritual spiritual progress, which normally speaking will only come through being in the trial and resisting it. The trial is a time of decision. We can succumb in the trial, and it will harm us. That's the enemy's intention. But if with wisdom and grace and courage we resist in the trial, 
You will grow in ways that otherwise would never happen, normally speaking, in our spiritual lives. I think all of us can look back on our spiritual lives and recall times of darkness that in some sense have almost compelled us to take some of the most helpful steps, spiritually speaking, that we've ever taken in our lives. So there is very much a reason why God will allow us to go through struggles and trials of this kind. We'll be seeing it amply as we go through these rules. In other words, God is always, his providence is always at work in our lives. We'll return in just a moment to The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Discernment of Spirits, Setting Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. And then finally, Ignatius says, um, describes the uh, further action of the enemy as disquieting with false reasons. Disquieting with false reasons. This is when good people who love the Lord get it all figured out, spiritually speaking, and it's deadly. It kills energy. The joy is gone. Something is terribly wrong. Okay, whenever we find that happening, that kind of getting it all thought out in a way that leaves our hearts disquieted or troubled, 
we have a very sure sign of the action of the enemy. Let's notice, by the way, that in the first rule, the good spirit uses reason, stinging and biting through the rational power. The enemy also uses reason. But as you would expect, because the enemy is the liar, as Ignatius tells us, he will disquiet with false reasons. It'll all be skewed. But if we're not aware, don't understand, and don't reject it, it can harm us. I have here before me, you can find this in the book, the account of a woman who has just finished making a retreat that has been filled with grace. So this is clearly a woman in this second spiritual situation, rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord. And now she's driving home from the retreat. I'll just read a little bit of this. She says, The experience I had as I was leaving after my retreat a month ago made quite an impression. It took me by surprise. My mind was in such confusion. Now you can already hear here the reasoning, okay? Mm-hmm that I couldn't comprehend what was happening to me. I couldn't, didn't understand how I could feel so bad so fast after feeling so good for so long. Reverently, how many of us have experienced that in this? Where did all the joy go? Suddenly, it all seems to be undone. Now watch her getting this, trying to figure all this out in the confusion and the darkness. And let's be gentle with her because we've all been there. We'll, we'll all see ourselves in her. On my way home, I was second-guessing my entire retreat and felt that due to my failure, it had been a complete waste of time. Hey, can you see the disquieting with false reasons? This is a woman who's just had a wonderful retreat, but now in the confusion, it seems even a complete waste of time. She continues to reason, I figured that I must have some serious problem. Further, maybe I had been dishonest by not bringing it up during the retreat. And since I didn't even know what the problem was, I concluded that I was probably incapable of making a good retreat because I was incapable of being honest and open. And she continues. Now you can hear the disquieting and all of that. And and look, within that, as she gets it figured out, my retreat was a complete waste of time. Well, if that's so, I must have a serious problem. And in the darkness, the fact that she can't even name the problem doesn't suggest to her that maybe there isn't any problem but it just becomes further evidence against yourself. I must be dishonest. If I'm dishonest, I'm incapable of making a good retreat. Mm-hmm. Can you see all the false reasoning, disquieting, and troubling the soul? Now, what if this woman accepts and believes this, these reasons? Will she ever make another retreat? Again, discernment matters. It's lived out in the stuff of everyday life. And what if she is aware understands this is just the enemy disquieting with false reasons and firmly rejects it. Obviously she does, because we we have it described in this letter, which she writes later to the retreat director describing what has happened. This is a classic tactic of the enemy, and we can expect it. So these, these are the ways in which the enemy will try to hinder, upset, obstruct, weigh, weigh upon those who are striving to rise from good to better in the service of God our Lord. But as always, there's a second part to the rule. Thank goodness. <laughs> I like the second part. I do too. It's the place <laughs> it's the place of redemption. Again, it's so important to keep saying that the good spirit and the enemy are not equal in this. The enemy is weak. The enemy has been destroyed in the power. All we have to do is open our hearts to the power, the infinite power and love of the Savior, mm, of the amen. good spirit. Yep. Amen. The second rule. In persons who are going on intensely purifying their sins and rising from good to better in the service of God our Lord, the method is contrary to that in the first rule. For then it is proper to the evil spirit to bite, sadden, and place obstacles, disquieting with false reasons, so that the person may not go forward. 
and it is proper to the good spirit to give courage and strength, consolations, tears, inspirations, and quiet easing, and taking away all obstacles, so that the person may go forward in doing good. And so Ignatius says now in the second part of this rule, as we heard, it is proper in this case now to the good spirit to give courage and strength, consolations, tears, inspiration and quiet, easing and taking away all obstacles so that the person may go forward in doing good. The good spirit gives courage and strength. You remember that voice of continence speaking to Augustine? She smiled at me to give me courage. No, it's not so hard. Look at all these others. They've done it. They were no stronger than you. Trust in God. As he helped them, he'll help you. And you can see the good spirit giving Augustine courage and strength. And obviously, in a powerful way, this is, this is the key moment. That courage and strength lead to the tears, lead to the conversion and the change in his heart. Here is a woman, let's say, who rises this morning. She has a doctor's appointment this afternoon, and she's worried. The news was not all that good in the most recent visit with the doctor, and she'll find out more this time, and her heart is heavy. Or maybe it's a college-age son who, or daughter who is struggling, or maybe uh, problems for her husband at work. She rises, she walks down the corridor toward the kitchen to get coffee and begin to get breakfast with this in her heart. As she walks along the corridor, there on the wall is that footprints plaque, you know, the, you know that in the time of struggle, there's just the one set of footprints, and mm -hmm. where were you, Lord, I was carrying you. And as she walks down the corridor, her eye just catches for a moment the plaque and its message, she knows it well, its message speaks to her heart, and just for a moment... Something in her heart gently lifts, and, she's, and she knows, Lord, you won't leave me alone today. You'll be with me as I go through this. And something gently is strengthened within her heart. You can see the good spirit giving courage and strength. I remember a woman telling me she was an immigrant to this country, had been very active in her parish before she came to this country, but it was so culturally different that she was finding it increasingly difficult in the new parish. And finally, this Sunday, at Sunday Mass, got to the readings, and it became just overwhelming for her. She got up, she walked down the aisle, she started down the steps of the front steps of the church. She was leaving, she was never coming back. And in God's providence this day, as she was walking down the steps, another woman was coming in late for Mass. As they passed, the woman coming up the steps just looked at her and smiled. She stopped, turned around, and went in, and when she told me the story for the past 40 years had been a leader in that parish, the good spirit in a thousand creative ways giving courage and strength to those who are striving to rise from good to better in the service of God our Lord. All of us, as we look back over our lives, will recognize many ways in which the good spirit has given courage and strength to us as we've striven to rise toward God. Ignatius says the good spirit gives consolations. That will be our third rule, so we're going to speak abundantly about that. When our hearts are warmed with the sense of God's love, we'll come back to that. Tears will also come back to that in the third rule. That's just the just. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. It's the body, bodily or physical expression of the joy the heart feels in the warmth of God's love. We'll come back to that. Inspirations. That's when we see it. That's when the confusion gives way, and now we know what we need to do. I read a spiritual classic and I get clarity on what I need to do now. I speak with the priest in the parish. Let's go back to the moment at Sunday Mass when the 41-year-old man is listening to the homily, Lord, teach us to pray. 
and the priest invites his parishioners to spend 10 minutes praying with scripture each day. And something in him says, yes, that's it. That's what I need to do. There's the good spirit giving inspirations, pointing out the way, showing the next step. And so new steps in our life with the sacraments of mass and confession, our daily life of prayer, reading of scripture, our involvement in the church. Giving a quiet of heart, that's the opposite of the disquiet that the enemy gives, easing and taking away all obstacles. Continence to Augustine. Look, it's not that hard. Look at all the others. It's not as difficult as the voices stealthily plucking at your back are telling you. You can do it. Let's play out finally the 40-year-old one man that Sunday evening. The inspiration to pray at Mass in the warmth of God's closeness, the grayness after the supper, now the discouraging thoughts at 8 o'clock this evening in his office. Why bother? It's too difficult. You don't even know how to read scripture. You'll just embarrass yourself in your wife's eyes and all the rest. And as he is thinking these thoughts, obstacles, 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 and is on the verge of giving up, his three-year-old daughter comes in the room to say goodnight. And she comes up to him and she hugs him and smiles at him and his heart lifts up and he just says, I love you and good night. It's just a beautiful moment and she goes on and now something in his heart says, I'm starting tomorrow. You can see the good spirit easing and taking away all obstacles, giving courage and strength in a thousand creative ways, as I say, in our lives. So this is the second of the rules. When a person is now striving to rise toward God, and this will be anyone who sincerely is a person of faith and wants to live as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, the enemy is going to attempt to hinder through the biting, saddening, disquieting with false reasons, placing obstacles. And the good spirit is going to attempt to facilitate that movement through giving courage and strength, consolations, tears, inspirations, easing and taking away all obstacles. That's Ignatius' second rule. Thank you, Father Gallagher. It's always a privilege. You've been listening to The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our mission. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher.